Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 1996 to have a look at that summer blockbuster Independence Day. So let's fire up the FA18, let's have a look at the trailer and let's go and whoopee T's ass. Welcome back guys, so the synopsis for this film, as stated on IMBD, is the aliens are coming and their goal is to invade and destroy the Earth. Fighting superior technology, mankind's best weapon is their will to survive. It's PG-13, it's got 145 minute runtime, and it's a action-adventure sci-fi and it came out, as I mentioned earlier, in 1996 and boy what a movie this was back then. Um, I remember when this came out and it was a big deal, it was a big deal um, during the summer of 96. I remember everybody talking about it even before they even saw this film and it had a lot of advertising, it was on the side of all the buses, I think it was shown at the Super Bowl in America and everybody was talking about it and I think what helped with this film at that time was a little TV show called The X-Files which was doing very well on television at that time. I think it was on BBC Two. I think it was still the time when we only had four channels on the old box, you know. Um, so 
I seem to remember a lot of people having this alien phenomenon and then when this film came out I think a lot of people just seem to be bought into this sort of um, disaster movie and all that and um, again it was it was one of the times where when I look back now it was probably one of the last movies where I actually queued up outside of cinema my old MGM and there was queues and queues of people outside um, wanting to go and watch this film and it was a good event it was a really good event um, an event which you don't really get now and a time before you kind of had spoilers and things like that with the internet and everything like that so it's kind of like one of the last movies but then tell a lie I think it's the, the last one really is the next film which I'm going to review which is The Mummy which came out in 1999 which I seem to remember but I'll save that for the next episode um, but I remember going and watch this film and I think it was probably about 18, 19 years old and I absolutely loved it, I buzzed it to the point where I came out of the cinema and I thought I'm going to have to go and watch that again and um, I came out with a mate of mine, we both went to go and see it we both came out like bloody FA-18 fighter pilots you know, sort of doing high fives and all that, I was all buzzed up so <laughs> that's the effect that this film had on me back then um, so it was a lot of fun, I seem to remember it being a good time back then um, so let's have a talk about this and uh, let's talk about the origins, how this got put together. So you had two guys called Dean Delvin and Roland Emmerich which were doing very well in the 90s. Um, they're a bit of a tag team really, both film directors and producers and writers and hell of a lot of talent. And they produced um, a couple of movies before this uh, being Stargate and Universal Soldier. And Stargate in particular was kind of like the launching pad of this sort of genre. Uh, which was did incredibly well at the cinema as well. It's called one of my favourite actors in it being Kurt Russell. Send my regards to King Tut. Boom. <laughs> and with the success of this film, they went on to go and do um, Godzilla and The Day After Tomorrow. So these guys are doing incredibly well at this time. And the other thing to mention here, they had a $75 million budget, um, which was probably quite high at that time. But then it made a return of $800 million. I mean, boom. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of bang, you know, for your money back then. And after the success of um, Stargate, they were going around Europe trying to promote that film. And they sat down together and they just penned this movie onto a bit of paper and said, should we make an alien invasion movie? Should we make a movie on a big scale? So they put the script together in four weeks, took it to... Um, the studio. They took it to the studio on a Thursday afternoon. This is how it. This is how it reads on the internet. And by the Monday, on that following Monday, this film was in production. It got greenlit, and the the studio said, "Yeah, we love it. We love the sound. This is great." And then they filmed it in 1995, and then the film was released in the cinema in '96. Bang! And then it made 800 million quid. So. This is this movie is a success story. Um, it's it's done really well. They just hit it right at the right time. And whilst talking about Stargate, I only just the penny only just dropped here for me whilst I was putting some notes together. Actually, this art today um, was when you look at Stargate and Independence Day, there is actually quite a big similarity. And this, honestly, guys, this penny only just dropped whilst I was putting the notes together. Um, so you've got an aliens in both movies, you've got someone who's involved in the army as your main protagonist, one being Kurt Russell as a soldier, and in Independence Day you've got Will Smith as a fighter pilot. And then you've got 
a couple of geeky guys as well. You've got Jeff Goldblum and James Spader. So you kind of got a similar sort of formula here. And then uh, a bit of a spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Stargate. At the end of the film, they actually destroy the aliens with like an atomic device with a countdown. And the other thing is, a bit I, I mentioned earlier in Stargate, it's a classic Kurt Russell moment where he's fighting one of the pharaohs and he says, send my regards to King Tut. Yeah, I just love all that from old Kurt. He does it. <laughs> um, and then in this, you've got Will Smith who confronts one of the aliens and punches him and says welcome to earth and he goes that's a that's what i call a close encounter so yeah there's just a little bit of a similarity there i just thought i'd bring it up so there you go bit of rj trivia but leaving that bit of trivia aside we'll get back to that in a minute because there's another load of trivia about this film um let's talk about who's in this film and obviously we've got will smith as captain hiller and he does a really good job in this film um hits the now right and the head he punches it right um, and he was in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, which was a bit of a cult TV show, uh, back in the, I think it was the 90s, late 80s. And then he went on to go and do, um, Bad Boys, Men in Black, um, so he had a successful career. Uh, Bill Pullman, uh, he plays President Whitmore. Um, he was, did another film called Casper, which was a pretty cool movie. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, who was in Jurassic Park before this, and he plays David Leveson as the sort of geeky scientist guy. Uh, Robert Logier, uh, I think that's how he pronounces it. <laughs> uh, he plays General Grey. Uh, he does a good job in that. And there's a bit of trivia here with him. When Dean Delvin and Rowan Emmerich approached him about this film, they said to him, we're doing a disaster movie, and he said, Oh, okay. Is it? He said, is there another film I can watch that can kind of get me into the sort of feel? Of it? They, said, they said to him, yeah, watch um, Airport 1970. That sort of give you a rough idea. But instead of him putting on Airport 19, he actually put on Airplane, the uh, Leslie Nelson comedy movie. So he, he watched that and he thought, oh, we're making a comedy film. So yeah, it's a bit of uh, funny trivia there. And then you've got um, Randy Quaid, who plays Russell Case, um, who is the brother of Dennis Quaid. Um, and the vice, uh, A. Fox, who plays Jasmine. And she plays a character in uh, Kill Bill uh, later on. And Harry Connick Jr., who plays uh, the fighter pilot Jimmy Wilder, and he is uh, known for his uh, jazz singing. So that's just to name some of the cast in this movie. It's a pretty solid cast. And some trivia for the film here, guys. There's an awful lot of trivia on this film, but I've just picked a little bit out here. Um, so I don't do politics on the show, but this is interesting. So the old US military agreed to help advise on the film, but as soon as they found out that they were going to talk about Area 51 in the movie, they withdrew, funny enough. So there you go. Make your own mind up about that. It was filmed in Great Salt Lake. Um... I mentioned a bit about Robert Logier. Uh, Jeff and Will uh, Smith both ad-libbed most of their lines in this film, so I think they got on really well on set. Uh, I mentioned about the huge hype for the film, and um, as a result of that, uh, another film coming out that year, Mars Attacks, came out later on in the year. They were gonna get, that was going to come out in the summer, but it got postponed to Christmas. And Steven Spielberg actually greenlit War of the Worlds, and he was going to film it all back in '95. 
But because of all the hype about this film, before it even came out, he said, right, no, we'll pull back. And then he later on pulled it out in 2005. So, um, and then Jeff uses another line, Jeff Goldblum, here's another line from Jurassic Park in this film called We Must Go Faster, We Must Go Faster, which I think is at the end of this movie. It was shot in 72 days, and they say that's quite short for a big blockbuster film. And uh, for special effects, I mean, the special effects are really good in this film as well. Um, and an awful lot of it is practical and mostly miniature models and all that sort of stuff. Pretty much the same, I would say, as kind of like your sort of Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica, which I mentioned in the last episode. So it actually got a record for the most miniatures used in a film and they reckon that just stay now because everything is um, used on you know CGI and all that sort of stuff so there you go guys it's a little bit of trivia it's a little bit more on IMBD you want to go and check that out oh there's one more bit <laughs> this is quite funny actually so David Arnold he did the amazing soundtrack to this film but before he created that soundtrack he was actually had a little bit of um, writer's block and he really couldn't get into the feel of it and he actually locked himself away in his um, apartment just to get away from it all he said I'm getting a bit stressed out about all this <laughs> and he sat on the balcony and uh, there's a flying hel helicopter comes flying over with a banner of Independence Day and he just said I can't even lock myself up in the apartment to get away from this so <laughs> that's pretty funny so there you go guys, so let's do a bite-sized review on Independence Day. So it starts off, uh, giving you a timestamp here, saying it's uh, July 2nd, 1996, and you've got a shadow that goes over the moon, and it is an enormous mothership that is approaching Earth. And it releases 36 um, ships taking positions over all the major cities of Earth. And you're here introduced to some of the key players in the film being David Lefferson, played by Jeff Goldblum, who's an MIT technician, and he realises and he puts it together that this is actually a countdown to an invasion. But the president is still sitting on the fence, um, and you're also introduced to Will Smith, who gets up in the morning and overlooks and he goes, right, I better get down to the airbase to uh, get ready for a war, because I think that's going to happen. So with the countdown in place, Leveson, with the help of his ex-wife, manages to convince the, the president, Bill Pullman, that this is a countdown and the aliens are here to destroy us. So the president authorises a massive evacuation from all the cities, but time is running down and a little is too late. And there is a scene that I forgot to mention here where there's a helicopter, it's called the Welcome Wagon, and it goes up to communicate with the aliens and they blow it up. So it becomes apparent that these guys aren't friendly. And as the invading spaceships move over to their positions and the time running down, it's a bit like uh, sort of pawns on a chessboard getting into place. Um, they release this energy beam which blows up all the, all the cities and it's like a massive nuclear explosion with balls of fire. And all hell breaks loose and... Um, you get some scenes of some iconic buildings around New York blowing up and the White House blows up and um, the president with uh, David Leveson and his wife and some of his personnel managed to just narrowly escape on Air Force One. 
So the aliens blowing up all the major cities of the Earth and the president who is now sort of fleeing for his life with uh, the remaining survivors from the White House. You've now got a scene where you've got the El Toro airbase with Will Smith and Harry Connick Jr. as the Black Knight fighter pilots for the FA-18s having a punch back. And it's a really cool scene here. It um, starts off with a tactical briefing where the... Um, Flight Lieutenant says, is there anything more you want to add, Captain Hill? And he says, no, sir, I'll just wake up and whoop his ass. And, you know, when you, I was watching this back in 96, I thought, oh, here we go. This is where this film's starting off, because it kind of starts off as a sort of slow burn. And then they're walking to their planes, and it's a little bit like Top Gun, sort of high fives and all that sort of stuff. And let's go and, let's go and sort these alien invaders out. And you get a really cool scene here where you've got the FA-18s. You've got about 30 of them all in a row going towards the alien ship. And and you get some really good aerial shots here, some really good POV sequences here. And they're approaching the ship and they go, right, let's give this a go. And they've got their rockets and it's where you go, Fox 1, stand by, like that, fire them off. And it really did remind me of the X-Wings attacking the uh, Death Star with a red fire standing by. Um, so the Mavericks, um, all their missiles go towards the spaceship and then they hit this uh, force field. And then all of a sudden all these um, alien fighter craft come out and there's, it's like there's thousands of them all coming out. And you think these FA-18s haven't got a chance and they um, try to retaliate with uh, missiles and stuff like that. But it's just not doing doing any damage to the uh, alien ships and you just think oh, I remember watching this again I was thinking what what's going to happen because these ships have just blown up half the world and nothing's gonna nothing's gonna damage this alien craft so you, you kind of got a little bit of dread here this this time thinking, how the hell are they gonna how the hell are we gonna sort this out and so the entire squadron of FA-18s get obliterated, apart from Will Smith and um, Harry Connick Jr.'s character, Jimmy. They manage to uh, sidewind out of it, and they're going through like a canyon, and they've got one of the alien ships that's trying to attack them on like a bit of a dogfight. And it's quite a sad scene now. I didn't like this, but it's a bit like um, Hudson dying in Aliens, you know, you just don't want him to die. And uh, Jimmy gets blown up by the alien ship, and then Will Smith... He comes out with a classic line. He goes, Hope you got airbag. And he just ejects out of the plane. It manages to make the alien ship crash. And then this is where you get that iconic scene where he's like, he comes out from his parachute and he's walking along. He's saying, Oh, you just, you ruined my holiday. I was going to have a barbecue today. And he goes, You picked a hell of a day to invade. And then he goes up, opens up the ship door, and then the alien comes out and he just goes, Smack. And he goes, Welcome to Earth. Now that's what I call a close encounter. <laughs> and then very coolly smokes a cigar. It's just a really cool scene. So you've got the comedy in this film as well and all that. So it works really well. And then at this time the president finds out that Area 51 is a real place from one of his advisors. And he goes there and he finds out that they have known about the technology of the aliens. And he says to them, it would have been nice for you guys to have told us about this because we might have been able to have done something about it. But anyway, they use this technology to try and find out how they can retaliate against them. And then this is where you get a scene where the president meets one of the aliens which they had um, captive from a crash back in the day, back in the 60s or something like that. And he finds out that the aliens have got like a way of communicating through telepathy or something like that. 
And he says, the alien says to him, we just want to kill you, just want to destroy you humans, that's what we're here for. So the president says, right, let's nuke him, let's do it. Um, so they try nuking the ships and nothing happens, doesn't, doesn't do any damage at all. And then you've got, um, and whilst all this is going on, you get all the other characters that turn up. You've got, um, uh, Randy Quaid that turns up, who's the, uh, crop duster, ex-fighter pilot with his family. Will Smith turns up, um, with one of the aliens. So everybody turns up at Area 51. And then you've got a scene where Jeff Goldblum's character, David Levison, is just trying to work out. He's, he's, he's struggling. He's thinking, there must be a way we can defeat these aliens. And then his father says, you know, get up off the floor, David. You're going to catch a cold. And then that's where he says, that's it. We can give him a virus. We can um, download a virus into their system. And it should be able to take all the um, false, false shields down. And this part here is like a homage to the H.G. Wells novel, I'd say, which is kind of what this film is based on, is how the aliens die in, in that story. It's, it's actually the virus that kill, kills the aliens in the end. So it's like a little bit of a homage there to that. So then David teams up with Will Smith. And Will Smith, there's a little bit of a backstory earlier in the film where he wanted to go into space. And this is where he gets his chance and he gets to fire the alien spacecraft where their plan is to go up to the mothership in disguise of the alien spacecraft and board it and then download the virus and then whilst all this is going on um, you've got the president who assembles a massive air force all, all the remaining planes that they've got all the fa-18 fighters they've even got randy quaid stepping up as a fighter pilot he gets a sort of basic briefing on how to fly one of these modern fighter planes and everybody around the world is reunited in this um, scene so everybody who's fighting each other has gone well we're going to combine together and take on these aliens so it's kind of created world peace in a way so they fly off to the mothership where they download this virus into the alien system and then whilst this is happening the president does one final speech pretty cool speech actually he says that you know it's our independence day and we will not go quietly into the night it's a pretty pretty sort of hitting speech that he puts on there and then all the remaining fa-18s along with the president who was a ex-fighter pilot himself go up to push on one final assault and it's a pretty cool scene it's like the scene you had earlier at the um, beginning of the film where they have the first attack and the virus is downloaded but it's taken a little while to sort of respond so the fa-18s go in president has his first launch it's like fox one let's see what happens and the force of shield is still up so it's still created that bit of suspense in the movie and their ground control was advised them to withdraw but the president's gone you know what let's just give this another go and he goes fox two stand by and he'll off it goes again and you're kind of watching it and you're thinking come on come on come on it goes through and it blows up the ship and you think here we go game on and this now results in one of my favorite bits of the movie you've got about 10 minutes of aerial combat here the fa-18s taking on the alien craft blowing up the ships you've got that great david arnold score in the background I remember being on the edge of my seat when I was watching this back in 96 thinking oh they're going to do this aren't they but then they start running out of missiles they're not doing enough damage to the spaceship the president's gone what, what are we going to do we're running out FA-18s are getting blown up and then they 
come up with a plan to think, well, let's, let's take on that laser beam because the laser beam is opening up to take on Area 51 and blow everything up. One of the other pilots, he says, yep, I've got a missile, sir. And they go, right, let's get him in. And then he gets destroyed. And you think, oh, no, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden you've got Casey, is it Russell Case or Randy Quaid's character comes in? Hello, sir. I'm here, I'm Russell Case. And he goes, oh, Mr. President, let's do it. And, <laughs> and then they fly and you get a great scene here. It's really good. It's where all the planes go in. Again, you've got the David Arnold soundtrack in the background. And it's a real buzz. And... They fly in, he goes, right, let's clear the path. And it's never going to be that simple, guys, is it? Because uh, Russell Case's plane, it, the Maverick, just doesn't fire. It just locks in. And he says, right. And it's a bit sad here because he sort of chemicalizes into it. And he says, tell my kids I love them. And then you get a cool scene here where he says, hey, boys, I'm back. And that's sort of like a bit of a backstory where he says he got abducted by aliens and that. And he says, I'm back. And you see his plane fly up into the laser beam and then boom, it just blows it up and there's like a chain reaction, it just blows all the other part of the ship up and there's a mass explosion. And then the president comes out and says, right, communicate this to everybody else around the world and um, this is how we can destroy these ships. And then it goes back to uh, Will Smith and Jeff who are in the mothership still and they're locked in, they can't get out themselves. And at this time, they kind of accept their own fate, thinking, well, we're not going to get out of here, but we're not going to go out without blowing this place up. So they decide to drop this nuclear weapon, which they took with them. And that's on a sort of 30-second countdown at this time. But all of a sudden, about two or three seconds into it, after they've had a couple of cigars and gone, you know, it's a pleasure and all this sort of stuff, the spacecraft that they're on unlocks and then you've got Jeff going, do you think you can get us out of here? He goes, yep, let's get on in. Now Will's flying the craft and he's trying to get out and again, there's some alien ships trying to attack him. And then they just get through this opening just as it's sort of about to close and he goes, Woo! and he goes, Elvis has left the building. There you go. And then behind them, the spacecraft just blows up and it's a bit like the Death Star at the end of um, A New Hope. But as they're flying, all the sort of debris overtakes their craft and you think that they're taken down with it right up until the last bit of this film where you find their spacecraft has crashed onto the salt planes and then the president with all the other characters turn up and then you've got Will Smith and Jeff just very coolly walking along the planes with some cigars and then the debris of the mothership is flying over the earth like uh, fireworks and then it's where Will Smith says you know to his son I didn't I'll promise you fireworks and then the film comes to the close with the aliens defeated and that is it guys that's my bite-sized review of Independence Day it's a real I think it's a feel-good film and it still holds up today um, and I guess my final verdict for this film is, you know, you get your five bucks worth out of this film. It does everything you want a summer blockbuster to do. You know, it's got action, it's got explosions, it's got a little bit of edge on the seat moments. It's got comedy, it's got heroes, it's got bad guys. Um, and the story runs along at a pace and it's also got a really good soundtrack. Um, and I love the way the film closes with that David Arnold score. It's a really sort of pumping, feel-good soundtrack. So, yeah, all in all, it, the film gets a 10 out of 10 for me. And funny enough, it's after saying all that, it's not a film I regularly put on, you know, to watch. But if it's on TV, I'll sit down and watch it if that makes sense. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, 
gets all Jay's vote. So there you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, like I said, I do a little bit of admin here. I'm part of the Legion Podcast Network, so check out all the other shows there. And you can find my show on iTunes, um, on YouTube and Stitcher. So have a look on there if you want to have a look at the show. And I've uh, got a Facebook page. That's really cool. Some good stuff going on there. So uh, check that out. And let's tell you about what I'm going to be doing next. I kind of mentioned it earlier, actually. I'm going to be looking at The Mummy from 1999. So another summer blockbuster from the 90s. The 90s having one, one last go before we hit the millennium so there you go guys um i'll say hope you enjoyed it keep it bite-sized keep it safe and i'll see you guys soon this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.